we've been uh, looking over these last few weeks uh, through the Gospel of Mark, and we've been looking particularly at um, some of the strange things that Jesus says, some of the surprising things, perhaps even some of the shocking things that Jesus says. And uh, it's, it's probably uh, no secret that um, whilst I think the Bible is the, the best book that we've got, I think that Mark is the best bit of the best book. And uh, I love the Gospel of Mark, and I think it is, uh, in my opinion, the, the, the most precious of all the, the jewels of the, uh, of the scripture. But if there was one part of Mark's Gospel that I would take out, uh, there was one part of Mark's Gospel that I would remove. It's this bit. It's this story which uh, Viren has read for us. Uh, when Jesus uh, has gone into Gentile territory, he's gone out of the sort of um, geographical part of Israel, up into the north, and um, he's gone uh, to visit this, this city of Tyre. And uh, this woman finds him, who's a Gentile, a Greek, someone from Syrian Phoenicia, basically someone who is geographically outside the nation of Israel. And, and she comes to Jesus and she falls at his feet and she pleads for him to heal her daughter. And uh, Jesus doesn't want her, doesn't want to. And uh, he says these really strange words. First, let the children eat all they want, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to, the, to their dogs. These are some tough words. They are very strange. Is Jesus irritated? Does he just want to be alone? Does he really sort of call her a dog? Is there some kind of sharp humour going on here? Now, of course, it's important to say that in one sense, we will never really know how these words were exchanged. We don't and we can't understand the details, the nuances of this conversation. We weren't there. We don't know what his tone of voice was. We don't know about his body language, his facial expression, the look in his eyes. And from everything else we know in scripture and in the gospels, we know we find it hard, almost impossible to believe that he was being deliberately harsh with her. But we do know, and we have to be honest, that he doesn't heal her daughter immediately. He seems to try to push her away. And he does use this strange language of children and dogs. What do we do? How do we understand this very strange encounter? Well, can I just suggest two or three things that we must keep in our minds. Firstly, that we remember the covenant, the promise God makes Old and New Testament. That passage that Shada read for us reminded us of the fact that God binds himself to the people of Israel. They are his chosen people. They are his treasured possessions. 
They are the ones that he has chosen to bear his name, to have his law, to build his temple, to be the ones who carry the presence and the promise of God into the world. It is a huge honour, but a monumental responsibility. And in what we call the Old Testament, in the Hebrew Bible, this covenant promise is deep, written deep into the story of the scriptures. And it is also written deep into the story of Jesus. He has come in fulfilment of the prophecy of the covenant. He has come to fulfill it. He has come as prophet, priest and king. He has come as suffering servant. He has come to renew and refresh and extend the covenant. It is deep in scripture. It is deep in Jesus. And here he interprets, he, he speaks in terms of this promise. He seems to be saying it's not yet, not yet the time for the Gentiles to come in. I am here in fulfilment of God's promise. I am here for his people, his treasured possession. I am here for the people of Israel. And your time will come. And we know as the story unfolds and the glory of Pentecost and the gospel going out into all the world, we know that it did come. And we stand here now as joyful inheritors of that promise. But it's good to remember that this is the way God does it. This is his covenant and it is a reminder to us and perhaps an important reminder as uh, we remember the ways in which Christians have treated Jews over the centuries. If it had not been for them, then we would not be here. So this story reminds us of the purpose and the place and the importance of the covenant. Secondly, I think this story also reminds us of the importance of persisting. You know, one of the one of the little sort of sub themes, subtexts in Mark's gospel is that Mark's Jesus likes people who keep going, who don't give up at the first sign of obstacle. You remember the four men who bring their paralyzed friend to Jesus and they can't get into the into the house. They don't turn around and say, well, we'll come back tomorrow. They go up on the roof and they they tear it open and lower him down. And Jesus sees their faith. We think about Jairus and the, the woman who touched Jesus' um, cloak that, that Fiona led us through last week. Both of them come through the crowd and they come to Jesus and they will not be turned away. You remember the children who come to Jesus and the disciples try and push them away. And Jesus says, no, let them come. You remember Bartimaeus, who is on the side of the road, crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And they tell him to be quiet and he won't. Jesus seems to admire this persistence, this coming back at him, this coming saying, no, I will not go away empty handed. I have come to you. I want your answer. And this woman, despite hearing these strange and potentially offensive words, she snaps back at him. Yes, Lord. But even the dogs under the table 
eat the children's crumbs. It's a good answer, isn't it? It's an answer that's so good, it makes me wonder if actually she she is a sort of first century scouser. She's a Liverpool person with that kind of wit that can take words and throw them straight back at you. Jesus seems to welcome that. So it tells us about the covenant. It tells us about the importance of persisting in prayer, persisting in answer, not leaving empty handed. But perhaps more than all of that, it reminds us of this truth that Jesus is not just a miracle worker. He is not, as it were, a divine fruit machine. He is not someone who comes, receives prayers and then dispenses blessings. That is not how Jesus works. Time and time again, when he encounters people, he wants to draw out of them a faith, an understanding, a sense of who he is and what will be ongoing even past this miracle. You think about the parables and the way Jesus wanted people to come and ask them, ask him about them. What does this mean? You think about the rich young man who, who he draws into conversation and he says, you know, you understand the uh, you understand the commandments, you know what to do. You think about Peter as he is, he is uh, explained, exclaimed that Jesus is the Messiah. But then Jesus goes on to say, but now look, this is what it means. You think about the man who comes to, to Jesus with his son who looks like he has epilepsy. And they have this amazing little conversation about the role of faith. Jesus is not just someone who administers or dispenses blessings. He draws people into a deeper understanding, placing them into a bigger picture. Do you understand who I am and what it means to follow me? Do you understand the purposes and processes of God? Look, I can place you in those so that this blessing makes sense, not just here and now, but for the rest of your life and in all eternity. And in this strange encounter, it is almost as if he put, picks this Gentile woman up and places her into the story of the covenant. And he says, look, it is not yet, but it will come. The covenant will be fulfilled for the Jews first and then for the Gentiles. Your time will come and you will be swept up into the purposes and the promises of God. You too will become part of his people. And this is good news. Better news even even than the healing of your daughter, however important and wonderful that is as well. So I wonder if in this story, can we place ourselves into the place of the woman, the Gentile woman, the Syrophoenician woman? Can we come to Jesus with a request, a heartfelt request, an urgent and important request? Maybe you have 
a loved one who is ill. Maybe you, like me and perhaps all of us, are, are raging about when will all this end? When can we get back to normal? When can I do this? When can I see that person? When can I go to that place again? And as we come to Jesus, how do we come to him? Do we come to him and say, can you just make it all better? Can you just make it all go away? Can you just make it all go back to the way it was before? And I can go back to the way I was before. Because if I pray like that, if we pray like that, then isn't there something fundamentally childish about our prayers? Not childlike, which is good and, and honoured in scripture, but childish. We just want Jesus to sort it all out. It's almost as if we pray like we are spiritual toddlers, demanding that God does what we want, when we want, straight away, and complaining bitterly when he doesn't. And maybe God's word comes to us, maybe even a harsh and strong word to shock us and to say, look, I am not a dispenser of blessings. I am not a fruit machine. I am not a worry blanket. I am not a spiritual duvet. I will lead you out of this, but I will lead you out because I pick you up and put you into a bigger picture. I can give you peace. I can give you security. I can give you that most precious thing, hope. But I can do that because I pick you up and I put you into the big picture. The big picture of what I have been doing and what I continue to do. Creation, the covenant, Jesus, the church, the new heavens and the new earth. Look at this big picture of what I am doing and I can put you into this picture. You become part of it. You become part of my story. You become safe in my hands. I have got you and I will lead you through this because I am faithful. I am faithful to the covenant. I am faithful to who I am. I am faithful to my purposes. Can you grow in that understanding? Can you, as it were, become more the person that I will want you to be? Can you, like this woman, see things from a different perspective? Was Jesus sharp, unkind, or even offensive to this woman? We don't know. We do know that he healed her daughter and that he asks her to place herself into the covenant purposes of God. So in the end, all was well. As we go to Jesus, can we go with our requests, but be ready to hear his word, 
a sharp word if necessary to place ourselves in his hands and in his purposes and to see that yes we do want him to answer our prayers but far more important that is to put ourselves into his purposes into his covenant into his promise because when we do that we find peace and joy and hope and all will be well. Amen.